This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Adam, I believe I just got um, dinged by you uh, for writing a check when I wasn't supposed to write a check. Am I right? That's pretty accurate. Were you committing check fraud? No, no, no. Embezzlement, maybe. Yeah, it was more like embezzlement. But check fraud is on the rise, and we're going to find out more about that right now. And with that, welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam Levin. I'm Bo Friedlander. And I'm Travis Taylor. Professor David Maiman, we're delighted to have you back. You are, among many other things, a renowned criminologist. What exactly is a criminologist? So, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure uh, meeting you guys. So, a criminologist is essentially uh, someone who studies crime, someone who's trying to understand crime. We have different ways to study crime. I mean, you know, folks who focus on the offenders, the victims, try to understand the situation, circumstances which lead to crime. Uh, you have forensics, criminologists, so many types of folks who try to make sense out of crime. And the title criminologist try to encompass them all. David, how did you get into criminology? Uh, it's kind of a boring story. Uh, I wanted to be a sociologist and I applied you know, to the graduate school in Israel to become a sociologist. They, they uh, denied my application. So uh, they had an opening as a criminal in the criminology department uh, or in the criminology program. And they admitted me there. So you've been one for a while. What do you like about it? I like understanding criminals and different types of crimes that they engage in. People come up with different ideas to violate the law. And, and of course, I'm not talking about murder and violence. What, what's so fascinating about the area of research that I'm focusing on, which is, which is fraud, is the innovation of these guys. I mean, the fact that they come up with new ideas to steal money and con people uh, on a pretty much daily basis. What was the field of cybercrime like when you got started? I started being serious about cybercrime around 2010. Back then, there were a lot of research. Computer scientists sort of tried to put together. There's a lot of research about hacking. Criminologists were more focused on trying to gather observations from dark environments, not too many people merging the technical aspect of cybercrime with the human-focused aspect of, of, of cybercrime. Back then, I was doing a lot of work in the context of hackers. And you know, I, was, I actually started with deployments of honeypots, so traps, and uh, you know, allow the hackers to go on the traps and then understand, uh, um, take over the traps while uh, nudging them to behave in a predictable manner. So, David, looking at 2024, what should we be thinking about? I would say that the major threat 
that people face and will continue to face in the next three years or so here in the United States is identity theft. Identity theft is the major issue, right? Uh, that essentially leads to all the other types of crime. So if you wanted to talk about the issues that folks could experience within the issue of identity theft, we can mention phishing, folks getting those emails, impersonating and asking them to go to different places, luring them to give away their information. I think money laundering is a ma major issue and someone using your identity to uh, ask for governmental benefits, open bank accounts or taking loans is the third major issue. Yeah, so to commit a crime, in other words, to use people's identity to, to commit another crime you, so that if anyone gets caught, it's me and not them if it's against me. How do you feel in the context of this AI? Because AI, especially when you talk about phishing, has made it easier for people who are less sophisticated to launch what appears to be sophisticated phishing attacks, correct? 100%. I mean, the, the, there are a couple of really cool tools uh, the criminals are using right now. One of them is called Fraud GPT. For 500 bucks, you'll be able to get access to the tool and work with it. And then the tool is AI-based, of course, and it allows you to put together very sophisticated phishing emails. It allows you to put together very sophisticated scam pages, uh, web pages, which look exactly like your bank account or your Facebook or, or, or your Twitter or whatever. The tool allows you also to check the identities that you're working with, stolen identities you're working with. The tool allows you to install remote desktop protocol in a more sophisticated way on both the victim as well as your computer. So, you know, uh, AI uh, is definitely being used right now by the criminals to commit crime, to engage in fraud. And I'm not even talking about the deep fakes and folks using that technology in order to communicate with people, steal their identities, uh, engagement in online romance fraud. Uh, AI definitely has changed, you know, the ecosystem. And we see more and more criminals using it in the context of their operations. Well, 100%, because AI can be used to sort through giant documents that would take a really long time to get through that are for sale on the dark web. And you say like, well, here's a lot of data sets that have a lot of information that you can monetize. However, it's going to take 20 people two years to sort through it all, and AI can do it in a couple of minutes. So That's the right. question starts to become, how efficient will these criminals be? And the answer is very and as they become more efficient, these large language models that we usually associate with the chat GPT is going to facilitate more believable scams, hoax-worthy ruses that will gr drag people in and make them believe just long enough to lose some money. But before we head into that territory, David, I have a question for you about other kinds of crime. I agree with you. Identity theft is probably the most obvious and glaring problem that we all face. And the way that you broke it down is perfect. What about uh, cyber criminals who are focused on grabbing the data sets that the criminals were, we were just talking about purchase on the dark web? What about large-scale compromise and hacking organizations that are going after the raw materials of these scams? What's going on in that world? If you think about the way they get the data, that will be, you know, probably a, a, some kind of an identity theft or phishing or impersonation. Most data breaches, how do they start? They start with someone clicking on the wrong URL, getting their computer infected. 
why do you click on the wrong URL? Well, because you think that you got an email from your bank. Because you got fished. And that is exactly what we keep talking about. It's identity theft. I mean, yeah. people, organizations, you know, the, the, the criminals are essentially impersonating to entities or individuals and then, you know, lure us to give their our information. Well, David, when last we talked, uh, you were talking about driver's license information, which is easy pickings for people who break into motor vehicle departments in various states. And we've seen, I know Travis, uh, living in Oregon, experienced the fact that someone broke into the agency in Oregon that regulates driver's licenses and got their hands on that information. The more that I think about identity theft, I've been thinking about it for well over a decade now, the more I hate the term. Because really what we're talking about is, you know, cyber confidence game. We're talking about con men, mostly, you know, scammers. And and it's not, it is identity theft. Sure, that's what they're doing. But the way they get there is what is so important. And the more we can understand the way they get there, the more we can protect ourselves. And the reason we had you come today was because there's a new way they're getting there, which is a very old way, which is check scams. I remember that, you know, people saying, well, you should lock your checks up because you never know someone's in your house. They might steal some checks. What's the history? Check theft has been around for a while now, as uh, you mentioned. During the 80s, it was quite popular before that. Essentially, what folks did back then was uh, trying to fish the envelope from the USPS collection boxes, or they used to go to residential location and simply snatch the mail from the mailboxes. There has been a period of 30 years of serenity, so to speaking. Uh, nobody talked about mail theft because it was there, but we, we weren't really seeing something out of the ordinary in terms of mailboxes being bro uh, broken into, people losing their life savings to this issue. But then come 2021 and we, we're seeing check theft and check fraud making a comeback. We see a resurrection of this issue. What are classic check scams? Can you walk us through them? Tell you, I mean, it's it's fairly easy. I mean, you steal someone's check. You go, you write, if you have a blank check, you simply write your own balance, you, you, your own amount on the check. You go to Walmart, you cash the check. That's a classic, very simple check scam. More sophisticated check scam will be if you were able to disrupt or intercept a check. Back then, you used to take the check, wash it, meaning you remove the content of the original and you replaced it with your own sort of content. They actually washed it with like cleansers and stuff? They, they wash it with uh, nail polish removers and other chemicals. Uh, wait, 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 wait. We promised this year, that was our New Year's resolution, we were not going to give criminals instructions. Sorry, I take that back. Although, if you're listening and you're trying to do this, that's a free one. It's free, but that first one's free. Next one you got to pay for. Well, don't worry about it, because they're no longer doing this, right? I mean, now they use Photoshop to simply cook the checks. Really? So, yeah. So, so you know, we see, and this is, again, we talked earlier when we started about how every day is a new day. Uh, day. So, when I first started studying the specific issue in 2008, 21, uh, you know, folks were washing the checks like they did during the 80s. But come 2022, mid-2022, and then the criminal realized, uh, you know, nail polish remover, I mean, it's too much work. You need to go to Home Depot and you need to look for, 
you know, the, the, the large bowls and the special equipment and that may, may raise suspicion. Why don't we start using Photoshop? And then Photoshop got into the picture. They have templates of the checks and they simply produce the checks now in very high volume. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks and I trade options and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. David, you've been telling us how simple check for has been evolving. Today, it looks a lot different than someone like stealing a mailbox, getting the mail in it. And then, as I understand it, one of the reasons why the IRS now says you have to write United States Treasury is because it was easy to change IRS into MRS and then put a name to it. You know, for example, we could change Adam to Madam, Madam Tussauds Museum, and then we could set up a, a, a Madam Tussauds Candy Shop, Tennessee, and you know, you have a fake LLC. You could do it, really. It's the, this. It's this is the thing that bugs me about these these scam artists, David. Is that they are if they have a good imagination, you're kind of screwed. 100%. I mean, you need to, they, 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 the thing that uh, I, I adore about this guy is their level of creativity. <laughs> Me too. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, I'm like, you're bad people. Bad, but clever. I don't know if they're bad. I mean, why, why are they bad? Think about it. There's mom and pop and they just had a bunch of money stolen from them. So the question is, I mean, who is the victim, right? I mean, mom and pop. No, not really, right? <laughs> I mean, so, so in the context of check fraud, yeah. the check set. The criminals know that the bank will reimburse you for the money that got stolen from your account. But the banks, they need to do their due diligence and they need to verify the authenticity and the identity of the individuals who were engaged in the check deposit and, and, and you know, the, the transaction itself. If you identify this 
deviant activity, this unusual activity in your account, and you call the bank and you tell them, hey, that, that was not me writing the check, then the bank will reimburse you. So there's no victim. So, I mean, there is a victim, right? There is a victim. The banks and the insurance companies, they are the victim. Mm -hmm. So there's always the victim, right? But, but, you know, the fact that the banks are, at the end of the day, are paying, paying the price make the criminals feel more comfortable with what they're doing. But they, they shouldn't for the simple reason that the more that banks pay the price, the more the insurance companies pay the price, we, the consumer, end up paying the price because we see it in different fees that appear. I think one thing we're overlooking here, though, is when people are living paycheck to paycheck, if their check gets stolen, then that means they can't make their rent that month or they can't pay a medical bill or something like that. Right. In that case, I would definitely argue that the person from whom the check is being stolen, even if that gets reimbursed at some point, that they are definitely a victim. Thousand percent. And if, if there happens to be a parent in the mix who can make up the difference of whatever is missing, they're getting nailed for it for a little while. Well, also, if you if you write a check to somebody and it bounces, you get hit with a fee from the organization where the check bounced. So it's a it's a it's a mess is what I'm hearing. It's a mess. So, so let me let me help you. OK. OK. Again, I mean, I was when we, when we first started talking about it, we we're talking about the the check deposit, right? I mean, who loses the money? So at the end of the day, we just came to the realization that the bank is losing the money. Yes, you may be penalized and, and pay $30 if, if the, the, the check bounce, right? But the bank will reimburse you for that. The major issue with check theft and check fraud and the fact that someone else has access to your check is again your identity, okay? And I, and, and, and this is this is a very important thing to remember, right? Because as I mentioned earlier, if someone stole your check and you call their bank and, and you discover it and you call the bank, uh, the bank will reimburse you for that. The problem though begin with the fact that your identity is out there. And unfortunately, 2024, working on this issue for the last three years now, seeing everything we're seeing in the dark net and telegram and all those communication platforms and all the checks, and we're talking about millions of checks, the criminals now have millions of identities, our identities, in their disposal. And we st see what they're doing right now with the identity. So they are using the identities in order to open new bank accounts. They're using the identities in order to ask for new loans. They're using the identities to finance new cars. They're using the identities to establish new businesses, to open new businesses. They're using the identities to open bank accounts to those new businesses. They're using the identities to engage in tax fraud, tax refund fraud. Right now, it's chaos. And it's all started with the, with, with the check fraud, right? With, with the simple slip, the, the check that the criminal got access to. So even a minor crime is a gateway to a number of other larger crimes. Right. So, so again, the fact that someone took 500 or 5,000 bucks from your account, uh, it's not a big deal because again, your bank will reimburse you for that amount, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're doing their best to detect that. They're do, doing their best to de detect check fraud. And if, you know, they messed up, they will do their best to reimburse you for that money. But that, so, so that is not the major problem. The major problem is the fact that someone has access to your identity. They have access to your bank account. And if you're not changing the bank account number, they can continue to charge your bank account. They can manufacture checks. They can create habits, sort of speaking. And that's essentially what we're dealing with right now. This, this mess 
Like it was created because of the fact that nobody, nobody put a stop to mail theft in the United States during the last three years or so. So as far as that's concerned, you're describing that as being a mess. So I guess the question here is, uh, how common is this type of fraud? So, yeah, I mean, we know that uh, in terms of scale, we know that in, in our sample of 60 markets that we monitor on a, on a monthly, on a daily basis, but then we collect data and then aggregate on a monthly basis, we know that there are around, there were around 9,000, a little over 9,000 checks in the month of September from those specific markets. Now, going back to 2021 or early 2021, before we started to see that huge spike, we're talking back then around 400 checks. Wow. Wow. Okay, that's big. In terms of scale, that is that is what we're talking about. You're describing like extremely sophisticated threat actors and they're using stuff like fraud GPT. How did you uncover the way they work? One of the things that my group does is try to understand the online fraud ecosystem in the United States and, you know, all over. And in order for us to do that, what we were able to do starting 2019 was infiltrate darknet environments as well as encrypted communication platforms in which the criminals feel comfortable to share with their peers what is it that they do. They also feel comfortable to sell and purchase all kinds of illicit commodities, including drugs and guns and counterfeit products and identities and you know all, all this fun stuff. And what in, in order to understand the online fraud ecosystem, what we've been doing since 2019 is simply downloading information from those platforms and, and, and keep counts. Simply, you know, the different types of illicit commodities, different types of scams that uh, we're seeing out there. And once you do things in a systematic manner, it allows you to discover, and then you have a sample, of course, of, of markets or forums that you work with, it allows you to discover emerging trends. And, you know, since we're out there trying to understand the online fraud ecosystem and we see those emerging trends, we were lucky enough, lucky enough to discover in 2021, mid-2021, this emerging trend of mail theft and check fraud in our society. So are these groups just a form of organized crime? And if so, how do they operate? We asked ourselves the same question because, as I mentioned, in, starting in 2019, we're monitoring those platforms in a very systematic way, keeping you know track about what we, what we saw then. And you know, in 2020, we saw a lot of unemployment benefits. We saw a lot of SBA loans fraud. You know, and then and then in 2021, we started to see more checks and we try to think where those are coming from because we've always seen those checks. Most of the checks we've seen in 2019 till mid-2021 were forged. The only difference was that the checks we saw, we started to see in 2021 were handwritten. And we saw the identities, the, the full identities, the, the business identities out there with the post. So we started to sort of look around and we realized what the criminals were doing quite quickly because they shared all the information with us in the form of videos, in the form of images. They were talking and bragging about what they were doing. And, and, and essentially what they were doing and what they were disclosing out there was that they were working in groups uh, which were very coordinated in order to get the check from USPS mailboxes in, a, in an efficient manner. And then once they had the checks, they watch the checks, 
they of course use some of their mules in order to cash them but then the reason why we've seen the checks on the encrypted communication platforms we were overseeing was that they were simply putting those checks out there for sale and so you know we started to dive even deeper and deeper and deeper and then realized how sophisticated and organized the effort was since we were, we've been studying this thing since 2021 we've seen the evolution and so i can tell you that when when we first started working on that we've seen checks you know simply being out there being offered for sale for you know back then it was 125 dollars for a personal check 250 dollars for business checks but then you started to see you know more and more information being sold along with the checks. So we started to see more and more social security numbers being offered for sale along with the checks. Employment identification number, if it was a business checks. And then we realized that essentially what these guys are doing, I mean, they have tentacles all over the place. They have insiders all over the place. So they fetch information from credit bureaus. They fetch information from banks that they have insiders in. And they were selling that information along with, with the checks. Um, so, you know, if, if you ask me about level of organizations at this point, I think that the, this, this type of crime is well-coordinated, well-coordinated, well-organized, and we should definitely expect for more in the future from these guys, because right now they have a huge database with all our identities out there, with all, all the information that they were able to get from their insiders in these key organizations about us. We're talking about credit reports. We're talking about driver licenses we're talking about the type of cars we're driving everything is available for these guys right now and that information will be used by them in the following years the bottom line is that it th th this is a very organized very coordinated effort so bo and adam you guys know i'm a bit of a uh, privacy geek, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, totally. I, I really just don't like the idea that just about anyone can find you online, can find out where you live or your email address, or your phone number or anything. I just think that entire idea is super creepy. There's so much of my data already out there, but is there something that you can do? Yeah, actually, you can use Delete Me. Delete Me is a service that pretty much does the heavy lifting for you, where they go to all the data brokers that they have on file and uh, just pull your data and delete it on a regular basis. I use it. I like it. And they make it quick, easy, and safe to remove your personal data online. Well, yeah, with these data brokers, they can accumulate huge amounts of your personally identifiable information. And if all that information gets into the hands of a bad actor, that opens you up to a lot of risk. And if you act now, you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and use promo code WTH. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and enter promo code WTH at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash WTH, promo code WTH, which stands for What the Hack. And we thank you for supporting Delete Me and What the Hack. Walk me through what the, um, you know, from the mailroom to the boardroom of a scam operation that is focusing on check fraud, how does it work? Do you have people checking mailboxes? Do you have people who are doing phishing campaigns? What do you got? So for the check fraud, essentially what happened is that uh, folks were stealing the arrow keys from the mail carriers. Adam, do you, you know what an arrow key is, right? 
I have no idea what an arrow key is. Travis? Yeah, it's like a universal key that you use for mailboxes. It's a skeleton key. It's your social security yeah. number, but it's for mailboxes. Oh, yeah. Wow. So uh, once they got the mail, uh, the, the, the arrow keys, uh, they moved it to uh, the next actor in, in, in supply chain. Uh, those actors were responsible for hitting the mailboxes at four o'clock in the morning, emptying the mailboxes, and then driving the mail to hideout locations, usually cheap hotel rooms uh, or Airbnb locations, uh, where the rest of the gang was waiting, along with drug addicts. They were sorting through the mail, looking for the checks, IRS checks, personal checks, business checks, debit cards, everything that they could fetch. Then, you know, some of the checks were used by the gangs themselves finding mules, cashing them, depositing them. The other checks were offered for sale on encrypted communication channels, and then customers simply purchased those checks you know, for, for, for a wide range of, of prices. That is essentially the supply chain. At some point along the way, criminals got stuck with uh, a lot of checks. And that is where we started to see people offering drop account open up services. That essentially people offering to open bank accounts for you growing those bank accounts for you to a point where you can deposit the $15,000 check you wanted to uh, deposit and then cash the money. So that's like a bag man. That's like a cleanup crew. There, you've, you've got all the stuff that the old mobsters had, but it's it's geared towards this per perfect, very clean crime with a bank as the main victim. Clean operation, I'm talking about... Uh, so and again, things are evolving on a daily basis. Uh, they started with drop accounts for individuals. Then we started uh, to see them opening drop accounts for businesses. And I'm familiar with cases. I'm personally familiar with several cases where businesses lost millions of dollars to these types of crime. You know, one particular case where we were able to find several IRS refund checks for this specific organization. We called the organization. We'll, we let them know about this. They thanked us, of course. And then... A couple of days after they called us telling us that someone has opened a bank account uh, using their name. They had the same company name and then they deposited four checks, four or five checks, the amount of $2 million, walking away with this money with, with no issue. So this is where we are right now. Is this more international or is domestic? This is a great question. This is most of it is domestic. We were very much concerned about the Russian and the Chinese and the North Korean and all these guys messing with the data, our data that is hosted on the darknet. And, and Travis, you mentioned earlier that your identity is out there. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the answer is all our identities are out there. But, but you know, those are on the darknet and, and, you know, some foreign actors probably are doing something with them. We, we don't know. What's happening right now and the reason why we're seeing such a, an uptake in fraud in our society is the fact that we have domestic groups figuring out how to work with our identities. And most of it, most of what we're seeing right now is being conducted by local actors. No, and you and you described it so well, and that you know, I think almost to the point where we could be pitching a TV show right now with, you know, your local crystal meth addicts in a hotel room sorting through mail, you know, in exchange for, um, you know, drugs. And, you know, it, it, it just sounds like the perfect squalid mess that it is. It's kind of mind-blowing.
David, listen, thank you so much for walking us through this. And just before we close, what's the one piece of advice you wish that the average non-criminologist would know in order to better protect themselves? There are two things I want to emphasize in, 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 in that sense. The first thing that folks should do is uh, make sure that their credit is frozen. It's fairly easy to put a freeze on your uh, credit scores as well as lift it when, once you need to um, uh, you know, finance a new car or uh, open a new credit card. The other important thing that folks uh, should do is be aware of um, a consumer reporting agency called Sys uh, uh, um, Systems. Uh, that is a very important consumer agency nobody knows about uh, unless their identity is being stolen because it keeps tracks of the number of bank accounts you have under your name. Now, now, if you freeze your credit score, that essentially means nobody can take a loan under your name, but they can still open a bank account under your name. And once they have a bank account, they can start laundering money. They can, you know, pretty much everything you do with your bank account. This organization I just mentioned, Check System, does monitor the uh, number of bank accounts each and every one of us has under our disposal. And you're, you're allowed, eligible to get a report of the number of bank accounts you have under your name on an annual basis. So I strongly recommend folks will ask for their free report from that organization. And of course, if they identify, they identify some accounts that they're not familiar with, they should do something about that. The last thing I should mention is purchase identity theft protection plan because uh, you know, most of the plans out there could be extremely useful in both protecting your identity as well as well as if something happens, helping you, uh, you know, uh, get out of a situation which is very complicated uh, if someone is stealing your identity. Great advice. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. Thank you for having me. If people want to find you uh, and have access to your latest research, what's the best place for them to do that? I'm, I put all my research and my thoughts on, on LinkedIn. So just Google my name and you'll find me. David Maimon. David Maimon, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Okay, so guys, it's time for the tinfoil swan. Our paranoid takeaway to keep you safe on and offline. I really hadn't given much thought to my checks and David Myman has managed to make me paranoid. Well, you know, first he made us paranoid about driver's licenses and now checks. Maybe next time he'll uh, tell us how to fashion your utility bill into a murder weapon. Ouch. So he gave us a few tips on how people can protect themselves, but there's one pretty easy thing to do that won't prevent you from getting scammed, but it does help you get notified earlier. Informed delivery? Yeah, that's where you get a uh, scanned image of your incoming mail before it gets delivered. So if you see a message saying there's an envelope with the words payment enclosed on its way and you don't get it, you know something happened. That's because someone has hacked into your email and saw something coming to you that said payment it's possible, enclosed. Yeah. But look, at a minimum, it gives you lead time to be able to know if you're being targeted for fraud, and it lets you alert whoever sent you the check that maybe they need to issue a stop payment. Yeah, now I I actually <laughs> thought I was paying for this, but apparently I'm not. I just went to USPS.com. I gave my information, how I wanted it to work. I get an email every day saying what I'm getting. And it's not foolproof, I want to say. Like, I have actually received things where I have no idea what they are. 
And checks often don't say on the envelope, this is a check. It, often they just don't have much on them and you know they kind of look like they might have a check in them, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're used to getting something every two weeks or every month, you kind of get to be able to recognize what the envelope will look like. No, but like this time of year, people like me are getting a refund from universities where their children, you know, go to school and it's, you know, and that's going to be in the mail and you don't know when it's going to come. So, so there's lots of different things that can come your way, you know, get reimbursed for health insurance, that kind of thing. You just have to really, you have to act as though you are living in a threat environment because you are. So if you notice that you're getting an envelope from a government agency, don't immediately assume they're asking you for money. I mean, you could be surprised. They may be sending you a refund. Yeah, and wait for it because if it doesn't show up, that's going to be a hard one to get reissued. I actually had to double check that the official address is usps.com instead of usps.gov. So when I was signing up for it, I was worried that it was a clone site, but apparently .com is the consumer-facing website. .gov is their internal website. Gotta say, I just went to .gov and it says this site can't be reached. So I guess that's that's going to at least keep you from getting scammed. One more thing, guys. So informed delivery isn't just offered by the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, there are similar services you can get from FedEx, DHL, UPS, you name it. Um, the caveat here is that you need to sign up for them separately. And that's our tinfoil swan. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.